morning. Welcome backwards to Bodhi Speak. I have here with me my very good brother, friend from Colorado, Yasha Kasha. What's up, Yash? Yo, what's up, Jerry? Good to be here. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, man. It's good to see you. Likewise. I'm going to read Yasha's bio here. It's very thorough, very in-depth. I'll probably mispronounce some words. Nonetheless, the message will be uh, thoroughly conveyed. Yasha is an MC, polymath, and founder of World Changers Organization, a 501c3, and of its many initiatives, such as the Sanctorum Eco Village, Heart Fire Festival, and much more. Having completed his bachelor's in world wisdom traditions at Naropa University and his master's in Jungian psychology and archetypal studies at Pacifica Graduate Institute, Yasha is now completing his PhD in psychology in the research and dissertation writing stage. As a Zakir with the Inayati Mayamuni order, did I say that right? Inayati Mayamuni, close. All right, there we go. A student of the Initiatic College, a karma yogi, and a certified instructor with the Rocky Mountain Tai Chi Chuan. Yasha also guides meditations and practices, interprets dreams, and facilitates retreats and rites of passage. Born to an immigrant family of Jewish dissidents from the Soviet intelligentsia, Yasha has been continuously traveling around the world since early childhood while sharing a wide range of multilingual creative work, from large music concerts to public murals on multiple continents. He lives happily with his beloved wife and community in Colorado, where he continues unlearning daily for the benefit of all. Lately, this means digging trenches for solar power, building yurts, growing gardens, and producing the Colorado Sustainable Living Conference. And I believe I was actually helping you with that yurt a few months ago. Indeed. It's up and running thanks to help from people like yourself. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear. I saw some good photos of it. All right. So maybe we can kind of get started because you have an epic festival that's coming up in uh it's at the end of next month, right? Yes, it's September 15th to 18th That's here awesome. at the Eco Village. Mm -hmm. And I remember that Ishell and I actually participated in Hardfire Festival, both online in 2020 and then also in person at Naropa with you in 2019. And it's, it's quite awesome. And let's maybe just start with that. What, it, what is Hardfire Festival? What is it all about? And why should people care about it? Totally. Thank you for creating this awesome platform. I'm really honored and excited to be on Bodhi Speak. I think it's such a dope project that you put together and so much great content. So thank you for, for welcoming me in. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah. Hush, hush. Happy to have you. Yeah. And Heartfire Festival, uh, you know, this is different from a lot of festivals that are out there in that we're combining the sort of cutting edge creative self-expression and uh, hip-hop music and dance music, music of different genres, um, visionary arts, and so on, uh, together with uh, world wisdom traditions and indigenous elders and, um, you know, spiritual lineage holders from different cultures around the world, really. Um, and so bringing together and kind of up-leveling uh, that those spiritual studies and spiritual practices that are, are present 
uh, at the festival and also holding it in a family-friendly uh, setting. So, you know, a lot of festivals are kind of like this peak experience party situation and we like to celebrate and we like to bring people together and, and bring that creative energy. Um, but we also like to keep that um, spiritually grounded in, in uh, these traditions from around the world and by creating a space where these elders can really uh, share teachings and share wisdom. Um, and so this year is also our reemergence for the first time in a while. Um, and it's kind of a, a new chapter in, in the development of our festival. And, and part of that is because it's our first time actually hosting the event on our land here on 40 acres at Sanctorum Eco Village. And so that's, that's a big change. Uh, and we'll be in person with people for four days. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a limited capacity intimate event uh, designed to be high quality and meaningful experience that actually, you know, we've done all over the country now for se several years and many people have reported it being like a life-changing experience. So if people feel called to, to join the event, all are welcome. Awesome. And I think that's one thing that kind of like actually answers the question right away is what separates this what makes this important maybe than other festivals what separates from other festivals what makes it important to people is you're hosting this where you guys live because you guys are a part right. of the community you have an eco village out in colorado you're 30 minutes from colorado springs and you said you have 40 acres out there mm -hmm. and so this festival is like it's not just a music festival but it, on and because it's also small scale, would I be correct in saying it's also like a way for people to kind of drop into like basically a communal living experience on some level? Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, there are elements in the festival that are more similar to uh, an educational conference or um, like an interfaith peace summit. Um, and elements that are kind of like a, a transformational retreat as well. Um, and, and then exactly what you say is what makes it different in a whole new way than ever before. Um, it's always been different in that it's a substance-free policy and it's also uh, a space where, you know, elders from different traditions uh, share teachings. And th that makes it stand out from a lot of the sort of uh, party scene, music festival scene that's out there. Um, but now it's really different for exactly the reasons you're mentioning, which is that um, the kind of the main crit critique in this uh, culture, counterculture, whatever you want to call it, of the festival movement is that it's unsustainable in that people just get together on some land and leave. And it's like, right. oh, that was amazing. But then we go back to our, you know, uh, status matrix. quo. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, what we're doing by bringing people into a community setting is really this is an exploration and what would a new paradigm on the planet and in society actually look like and then how could we shift into that new paradigm together in a more integrated ongoing way beyond the festival if somebody wanted to help out with permaculture on the land or to stay a while or you know learn about community living or learn about these different traditions it's a way to go deeper and not just come for a couple of days you know and it is a short experience where a lot of people get together but it's a portal into that deeper integration and into that longer you know ongoing project that we're also looking to sort of over time create a whole academy out of that with Heartfire style offerings that happen here month to month rather than just one festival a year. Yeah. And this is, I think, a really epic model that actually works. It's, it, what came to me was we did a festival uh, here in New York called 
uh, tribal rhythms, which you participated in. I think you taught a hip hop workshop there. And we had people come to that festival that knew nothing about our community out here in New York, and then they wound up moving into the community. And like, while that might not be the overall intention of it, at the same time, it's like we're provide it. Like you said, it's a portal that brings people into something where then like the transformation is not just a couple days, then you go back to your corporate job or something, but it's like transformation that like could lead you into like a permanent shift into a totally different way of living socially. It, right. And it's, you know, it's more <laughs> romantic and idealistic in some ways. And in other ways, it's more real and more raw because, you know, it's easy when you're, you know, feeling expansive and you're feeling connected, you know, at a festival or in a meditation or something to recognize, you know, each other as oneself and so on. Um, but what about when it gets challenging or when we get on each other's nerves or something like that? And so how to bring that same realization or insight into those challenging moments and keep persevering through difficulties. That's like, I think, where that integration starts to happen from the celebratory uh, part of it into daily life and relationship. Right. I was at, I was at Burning Man in 2012. And I remember this guy walked up and he was talking to my ex-girlfriend at the time. He was like, he's, what do you say? He said that he's like, yeah, everyone wants the revolution to come. But the question is after it comes, who will take out the trash? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I, I think that's the premise, right? Is it's like, okay, like we have this experience, which you guys are providing, but then the question is, okay, how do we, carry this forward and make it into something that we can make a lasting change with. So that's really awesome that you guys are doing that with the permaculture community that you guys have. And, you know, my question, I guess, is like, what are some of the ecological projects and opportunities that you're providing people with, you know, who maybe come to the festival and are really inspired by the experience and then are like, how do I plug back in afterwards? What kind of what kind of opportunities are you providing for the community to gather after the festival? Yeah, totally. Um, well, you know, so Sanctorum Eco Village, um, it's a collective collaborative uh, project uh, of co-creation. It doesn't belong exclusively to me. There's influence from mentors and advisors, and there's also, uh, be, other than that guidance, there's a lot of help and support from a whole team of people that are investing uh, time and energy into making it happen and so really like how you want to get involved to some extent is up to you because it depends on what you what you envision and what you want to bring to the table like are you feeling just to give some examples of like contributions people have made uh, we had somebody move into our community at one point um, who was a, a scientist involved with solar technology and he was really inspired by helping things go solar and so he actually donated like his expertise and, and his time to install a huge solar power system for the eco village here while he was able to be around. Um, and that was just an incredible contribution, you know, and I think that that benefits us because now we're self-sustaining, you know, providing our own energy from the sun for all the structures that are on the property here. Uh, but it's also something that I think he enjoyed doing and was valuable for him to see a whole community blossoming out of this expertise that he was able to contribute um, that would really value that. And so that's just one example. Um, you know, when we had the sustainable living conference, something that's maybe a little bit less committal, um, but that's a similar example is like our friend uh, was coming and she was only able to visit for one day during the sustainable living conference, but she's a, a farmer and a, a 
permaculturist and that's her passion. And so it was just her inspiration to bring some trees with her um, and, and help you know plant them when she showed up and we all did it together. And that shifted the conference away from something that I could have created with my heady self and, and into something like way more amazing and epic that we all enjoyed so much to like take a break from the conference sessions and go outside and work with our hands in the sunset and the breeze and plant some trees together it was just amazing, you know? And so these are examples, yeah. Yeah, and and I, I like what you said in your bio a lot. Uh, it made me very happy to read it. <laughs> Where you said that you are continuing to unlearn daily, which means digging trenches for solar power, building yurts, growing gardens. I I appreciate the way that's phrased because, you know, obviously you spent time with us up here, and I feel like so much of of the real work is actually just like in the actual physical act of engaging with the earth and with one another. And like you said, something a little bit more raw, maybe that was the right way to put it, where it's like, okay, we're bumping into each other's friction and we're trying to figure things out. And that actual moment of like, not just having a heady conversation at like, let's say a West Coast transformational festival that's at a, you know, you pay hundreds of thousands, whatever dollars to go to or something like that. And then you leave. But this is something that is where you actually are engaging with the land Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, priceless. Ultimately, the real valuable transformative experiences are not something we can just like consume for entertainment or stimulation. Right. It's something that, in fact, you know, I think I'm not an expert, but I think that's where a lot of this whole idea of like karma yoga and community service and the value of that comes from is like, how even more beneficial it is when I show up to help out rather than try to get something for myself. And that's, that's something I'm still learning. And I think we all are, but you know, that, that experience of like uh, giving and working together and like uh, that it's so nourishing. It's so healthy to like, you know, not just be there for that stimulation or that entertainment, um, right. but, to, or like the tourism of it, uh, but to actually like engage and, you learn more that way too. Like I've learned, I'm not an expert in construction or gardening either. It's not even necessarily my forte, but it's been so good to like actually be the helper and like go out there and learn from community members. Like that's how you plant the seed and that's how you weed the garden and water it. And like, you know, this is what we need to do next to build the yurt. And like, okay, it seems a little tedious to like screw in this anchor, but I guess we're doing it and like, I got to work out. So that's cool. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I want to take this step back for a moment um, and come a little bit back more just to the actual time spent in the festival. So uh, you mentioned you're going to be having different indigenous elders there. Can you talk about which elders are coming from which cultures, traditions and what they're going to be offering? Yeah, totally. Thank you. Um, you know, so there's a lot going on. And uh, right now we're really grateful Um just to name a few of the teachers that will be there. Uh, Nana Marina Cruz uh, is coming to the festival and, and visiting the community again, and she'll be leading a traditional Mayan cacao ceremony and sacred fire ceremony at the festival for the attendees. And that's exactly an example of like the rare opportunities or experiences for someone to have at a festival is not just like 
some kid like you know one of us who spent a month in guatemala or something but it's like nana marina cruises leading the cacao ceremony so that's worth you know coming just for that experience to learn about that um and the way that she carries her tradition that you know she received directly from her ancestry and from her father tata pedro cruz and and the pueblo there on lago atitlan and so it's a really deep transmission there. Um, you know, she actually visited our community for the first time uh, not too long ago. And I remember driving uh, her and her translator in the car and they were just, they were speaking Tutsuhil to each other. Like I speak Spanish, but in the car, they're speaking their indigenous language. And that's so beautiful just to be with, with people that are directly from the culture that they're representing at the event. Um, and then we also have uh, a couple Huichol elders, um, Don Rosendo Ritakame and Machuima, his wife, uh, and they're coming from uh, Mexico. And uh, they offered to for us to share that they'll be at the event and uh, encouraged us to let people know because they'll be offering um, beadwork and uh, you know artists and crafts uh, from their tradition and sharing a little bit about their. Um, Viranica culture uh, from Mexico, and so that's that's going to be really special. Um, can, can I interject? Yeah, yeah, like, please. Uh, yeah, just you know, for people who uh, are not friends of ours directly, but who listen to this podcast, as it seems to reach out to quite a few different dimensions of of the earth that I, I'm always surprised with. Uh, you know, Nana Marina and Don Rosendo, they're people that are. Um, they're good friends of our community. I've had time as well to spend, I've had the opportunity to spend time with both of them as well. And they're just super special people. And with Nana Marina, you know, you just realize that like, there's so many people, like you said, who are offering cacao ceremonies and, or have claimed to have some understanding of what the wisdom of the plant teacher of cacao is. And then you go and you connect with the actual Mayan people. And you realize like the depth of the knowledge from where this plant comes from and how these people are holding on to something and have been carrying something for thousands of years. It's at the, the, the crux of their culture in a lot of ways. Um, and like what a rare opportunity it is to spend time with someone like that. And uh, obviously Don Rosendo coming from the Huichole, Riotica people. I mean, that's a culture of people that were unconquered by the Spanish. You know, those are people that have, have sustained their, their, their ways of living for thousands of years and their connection with nature and the universal spiritual energy of things that are uh, unknowable in a certain way, you know, and, and being able to spend time with those people, things that are passed through osmosis, just being in the presence of people like that, you just pick things up, spending time with those people. And I am giving you like a lot of kudos for being able to bring them up here uh, to the States and to have them because this is like a small gathering and it's public. Cause a lot of times I think elders like this, uh, oftentimes they want to, there is a difficulty in being able to access the knowledge that they carry because of all of the things that have happened between cultures and history and so on and so forth. So having an opportunity to be in close intimate setting where these people are sharing their culture, sharing their, sharing their art, sharing their wisdom, sharing their ceremonies. Like that's a really profound thing that's offered to the public. So I just want to like kind of give some kudos to that and acknowledgement of that. Uh, Cause I've spent time with both of them and it's really special just to be around them and just little funny things. Like I was with Tata Pedro who passed away, Nana Marina's uh, father 
just hanging out with him by the fire one day and just some of the small things that I can't really communicate and articulate this moment that were past in that time is just like still impact me to this day. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, you're, this may be a little off topic, but you're reminding me just now how you explained like, oh, you're just at the fire and it's like these little things that happen or that it said or something. And it's reminding me of this experience I had once in Mexico, just like fathoming the wisdom of a, of a Huichole Marakami once uh, when I was down there who like was silent for hours and hours on end uh, even though we were like you know visiting to learn something from this person and it just like didn't say anything but the one thing that uh, this elder said the entire time was uh, somebody you know saying a song and then somebody said thank you and uh, the singer said no thank you and at that moment, the only thing he said the whole time, he just said, is Islamismo, that's the same thing. <laughs> Meaning like, thank you, no, thank you. And like, oh, that's the same thing. They're both the same you. It's like, he just, it was like literally one word, but it like contains such deep mystical knowledge that you could like reflect on and decode for a while before it even makes sense. You know what I mean? Definitely. But intuitive, yeah. you know? Yeah. And this is like, for instance, you were you were with us in New York when the the Kogi and the Atawaku and the Wiwa were with us, right? Yeah. And we we were sitting with them and they're doing the Pacamento ceremony at the tree and everything. And I just I remember just sitting with them, realizing how long of a time they spend while everyone's watching them and just in a silent con contemplation and a meditation and a deep state of listening as to what's happening in attunement with nature, and how they're totally detached from some like automatic social engagement with people it ultimately what were they they're, they're just sitting there from like you know someone walking oh there's just some guys sitting there right i mean <laughs> well you realize like there's 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 such a meditation present with them at all moments in circumstances that otherwise maybe normal people would have no idea about but uh that's i think that's what i'm, I'm communicating with the osmosis like it's something about they're just their being there's something emanating from it that you start to pick up on you're like oh wow okay this is why these people are special you start to like feel that vibration so yeah yeah totally um exactly and uh you mentioned um you know i don't know i think the kudos kudos goes to them for uh for being willing to share with us right now and and it is you know a special moment in humanity's story uh that that we can have access to that um yeah i was just gonna say I, nana marina for example is going to the un uh, right after she visits us and so she's got kind of a special global mission that's unfolding right now that i'm i'm a fan of that i've been watching um whereas uh don Rosendo and much are just coming from their pueblo and going back and so you know there's these different extremes um and also, uh, I could go into other teachers, or if you had some other questions, we could do that whenever you feel. Yeah, I would like to know what other uh, elders are coming. That would be great to share, fill us in on that. Yeah, I, I won't go through the whole list right now, um, and some are still to be determined. There might be a, a Tibetan Rinpoche, actually, who offered to come to our events. Um, so we'll see how that unfolds. Um, and, you know, we've had uh, people from... Indian people from the Hindu tradition lead satsang and things like that. So we'll see what happens there. 
but then I, I will mention uh, one of our Sufi elders, Piernatano Miles Yepes, will be coming. And he's actually also one of the co-producers, sort of co-founding member of the festival team. Um, and Piernatano is a successor to a very famous spiritual teacher called uh, Reb Zalman, or Rabbi Zalman Shachter Shalomi, who was the founder of the... Um, the Jewish renewal movement, which I know uh, you live not too far from from Kazem. I know Allison Gray is a part of that movement. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, Reb Zalman actually had like these mutual initiations with Pure Valayat and Ayat Khan from the Sufi tradition. So he was like a Hasidic Kabbalist master rabbi uh, and, and Pure Valayat was the Sufi Master and so uh, and also the son of Hazrat Anayat Khan, who wrote the famous mysticism of sound and music and so on, and brought Sufism to the West and made it universalist rather than Islamic and so on. And uh, they had this exchange between their traditions. Um, and Piernatanal, who's coming to the festival, is uh, kind of the the head of that lineage now that formed out of the merging of Sufism and Hasidism in this universalist tradition. Um, so I just I wanted to give Piernatanal a shout out and mention that he'll be sharing some uh, zikr practice, which is a seated meditation with sound and movement and some storytelling and so on. Cool. And I I did a zikr practice with you when I was there in April. And yeah, that was really special. I loved it. And, you know, the, the Sufi tradition, I, I can say myself personally, I don't have a lot of experience with it. I I traveled to Istanbul and I had the chance to like see the 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 whirling dervishes is that something that will be on some level engaged with at your guys's festival yeah 100 percent. so i we we won't necessarily have whirling at uh, this particular event but whirling dervish uh lineage is directly related to the lineage that's going to be present at the event and sharing practices and it's um that's actually Rumi's sufi order that is one of the orders that flows into our lineage so we have a direct literally teacher to student generation to generation unbroken chain of training and transmission over thousands of years from the same Mevlevi order is the name that Rumi uh -huh. was initiated into and that is the origin of the whirling dervish practice you know that relates to the movement of the celestial bodies and so on and we've had that before and, and will again at some point that's awesome that that is something that I personally would like to learn more about it had a, you know it's, it's super wild to witness that uh so can you talk a little bit about your community's connection with uh, Tibetan Buddhism? Because I know that you went to Naropa and that this festival was at Naropa. And obviously Naropa being a university founded by Chogunam Trungpa, Tibetan Buddhist Lama, uh, I think in the 70s or something like that. And you mentioned you might have a Tibetan Rinpoche come. So what is the, can you share the connection there? Sure. Um you know, it's actually a perfect segue because Reb Zalman himself was a B wisdom chair at Naropa University and a friend of Chogyam Trungpa. Um, and that's how, you know, I met Natanal and so on is through that sort of community or family um, of people. And Tibetan Buddhism itself, 
it's just a culture and a tradition that I've sort of been mysteriously attracted to since some of my early earliest childhood memories. I remember being, you know, a pretty young kid and like somebody having a, a calendar with Tonka painting images on it and just being so attracted to that and recognizing it and like wanting it in my room, like asking my parents if I could hang this, you know, these Tonka images because I just loved it. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, kids sometimes have that with like, pirates or cowboys or and you were Native in Massachusetts American. right yeah I was um it's random for Massachusetts I would think I don't know I, I <laughs> guess I guess but anyways uh that's that's that was the beginning of of a long story that ended up with going to Naropa University um which is in the, in the Tibetan lineage uh and what I find really interesting there um and we've had Buddhist teachers at our events in the past what I find really interesting about it is that everything we're talking about has this fascinating um, and somewhat unusual quality across the board of being universalist, um, you know, of being kind of a new paradigm or, or a little bit of a shift in all of these traditions where the esoteric core of the tradition is emphasized, um, like in Tibetan Buddhism compared to some other branches of Buddhist religion. Right. Um, there's an influence from Bonpo shamanism. And like all of these animistic and shamanistic uh, indigenous traditions, there's that ancient transmission of essentially like a science rather than a religion. Um, and that creates this, this esoteric um, scientific quality. Um, and it's also got this quality of being open to other you know, sources of wisdom and recognizing them all as interrelated and different expressions of perhaps a perennial um, transmission or something. And so I just, I wanted to name that because I think it's fascinating how much over and over again that comes up at our festival and at our events. It's like this really cool new blossoming of something that's been happening for decades already. And I, it feels like there's kind of a new generation of that expressing itself at the festival where not only are these lineages coming into contact with each other across cultural divides, uh, which has already happened in the past decades, uh, but now it's like in our generation, we get to have teachers who are already carrying lineages that are somewhat interspiritual and intertribal and have had exchanges of mutual initiations and so on in the past recent, like most recent generations. And so we're receiving this newly universalized and interspiritual model from these different teachers, which I think is amazing. And I just named that because Naropa is an example of that, where it's like right, a Buddhist right. inspired school, you know, and Trungpa like stepped out of certain roles and created something that was for anyone, you know, whatever their religious affiliation was. And it's the same with Hazrat Anayat Khan and Reb Zalman and so on. Um, so there's this quality of everyone coming to teach that's like, whether it's Buddhism or another tradition, they're open, um, you know, to whatever culture or religion you come from. It's just the the science of con transformation of consciousness that they're carrying that they want to right. share. Right, that's a good way. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the essence of it, right? It's not they're not preaching a dogma or a doctrine or like a specific even teacher. It's a transformation of consciousness, and they've and they've held on to that somehow for thousands of years, while other traditions. You know, we can obviously think of some have gotten totally like caught up in the symbolism, you know, it's right. just like they're obsessed with the symbolism, but the, the transformation of consciousness has remained lost. So right. this might be kind of like a good, a good like segue here. I don't know if it's a segue, but whatever, of <laughs> talking about how if someone's like not necessarily like totally on a spiritual path, 
nor interested in engaging into traditional wisdom, but they want to connect in community and they're into the music because you have some really epic musicians coming to the festival. Um, can you talk a little bit about like that aspect of it? Because you mentioned, you know, when you go to these other festivals, it's all about on some level, the peak experience and the party and it can get, I mean, you go to Burning Man and it's like, you know, there's people drinking like a fifth of a vodka and stuff like that at places. And, you know, that's whatever that is happening there. But obviously this is a substance-free event. Uh, yet you still want to create like a peak, peak experience for people. So for someone that's perhaps like not as inspired to engage in traditional wisdom, lineage traditions, how is this festival kind of catering to them, but also keeping it like in a high vibrational place? Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's like in the past, we've had some really uh, world-renowned artists like Modest Yahoo and Trevor Hall and Desert Dwellers and Parangi and so on and so forth. And yourself with Michelle Prisma and Jerry Walsh, and all the greats. Um, but yes, yeah, so like, you know, I think this year we have a little bit more uh, hip hop, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and we're also a little bit more grassroots underground connected to the local community right now for this this year's event, um, which is like Jay Brave, Shri Kala, Lily Fangs, Amber Lily. Um, and we've had Amber Lily uh, at our events before back when she was uh, touring with with Tubby Love. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, we, this, many of these are repeats like Liquid Bloom will also be there. Um, and Amani of Liquid Bloom has played pretty much every event that we've done since we started, at least on the bigger scale ones. Um, and I know y'all are familiar with him too. So, you know, I think it's it's just like an awesome opportunity to enjoy this music and to celebrate together. And it's many different genres, like our friends, uh, Andy Babb and Lara L uh, are coming and, and they're also connected to the Copper Children, which is like a very well-known, more like folksy, rootsy, uh, singer songwriter um, you know we've got like rock and we've got all these different genres we're open to all of it um, dance DJs like Blue Murian um, and Stratosphere and so on and it's like the idea is just to create a celebration where we can let go of some of our you know tensions and accumulated conditioning and so on and just relax into the moment and and move our bodies and dance and activate our energy in that way together um, and I think that's, that's, you know, also I'm really looking to, we've always had visual artists at our event, um, live painting and, and art displays and so on. And I'm looking to really go deeper in that direction. Um, we have a friend, for example, who does laser engraving, uh, and he'll be sending some of his art to this event. And he, you've, you've probably seen like his, uh, tree of life engravings and the hunabku he made that was once on Tata Pedro's wow. drum as a stencil and stuff. So it's like, you know, we're going to have all of that um, art also at the event, whether it's ancient Wichol beadwork or like the most cutting edge laser cut artwork that's starting to catch up with what the Egyptians seem to be doing. Uh -huh. um, so it's like, you know, I think that I think that bringing more visual art um, even more than before is like a direction that we want to take the event and that'll be happening this year. There'll be like an open mic, slam poetry, um, vendors, vegetarian food, um, practices like yoga in the morning and 
all of that. It's all, it's a, it's a bridging of many worlds and hopefully somewhat skillful experiment in how we can make a synthesis um, and a holistic inclusive model for these things to happen in one space. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think people that are, are looking to have a good time can come for those reasons because it's going to be a good time. It's going to be epic. I mean, <laughs> it's like, even when it comes to the other music festivals out there, which are great, you know, this is similar in terms of like the scale of the lineup and the scope of the, the music that can happen and so on, except um, like when I say substance free, I also mean like we don't serve any alcohol, for example. Um, it's like we're not we're not looking to create a space for people actually our mutual friend Alec said it best once uh, back in the day about Heartfire, where he said it's a celebration where we're not trying to escape life, but instead we're fully enjoying it. So it's like instead of an escapist version of that same epic peak experience, it's a fully conscious and engaged version that hopefully we can integrate in our daily relationships and work afterwards. Well put. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's like what community living is a summation of it's it's the antithesis of escaping life we we all a bunch of us just had a a trip we we're actually in massachusetts recently we rented a house there and there was about 25 of us in this very tiny house it was funny because it was like this is supposed to be a vacation but at the same time you know we have like there are 25 people and then like 12 kids or something on top of that and everyone's running around and everything and the whole thing is just one massive frenzy and the meditation and discipline of trying to remain calm in that in that environment while it might look like one thing is very challenging and the, but then you know finding times to create music together create beautiful food together hang out together be in nature together it's a super epic thing so um what you're talking about here with the festival of like we're not trying to escape life we're trying to fully engage with life that sounds to me very much just like what the spirit of like communal living is all about and like yeah this is it seems like that's what you guys are trying to capture with this festival was like bringing people into a community. Cause how many people are, are, are um, what, what are you guys capping the festival at? Uh, well, we're, we're looking to have probably anywhere between a hundred and 200 people this year. Um, you know, 150, maybe the cap, uh, it could be, it could be less. It could be like a hundred. We'll see what we have capacity for and what, what, um, you know, the registration looks like. And, and part of that is with this new chapter of the festival, we're going to be slowly growing uh, the scope of the event, most likely on this land. And so we're never going to go here, I don't think above like a thousand people at all. Right. But I do think we're going in the coming years to like start um, building it into like a 500, 800 person festival. Um, and this is just the first baby step towards that. We're just starting to reopen and do this kind of small, uh, somewhat last minute version of that. And so it'll probably be capped around uh, one to 200. Awesome. I mean, and I, I've been to all kinds of size festivals and stuff. And I think like what's special about that size is you run into people you multiple times, yet you can at the same time have that experience of breaking into like a larger group where you kind of can lose yourself. But then as soon as you want, you can come back into something that feels intimate. So that's like a really powerful dynamic. Um, so that sounds like a pretty, it's like kind of, it's a unique opportunity to be in a size that small with, I mean, Liquid Bloom is, as far as I know, is like one of the more premier music producers. Imani's music is just like top notch. So that's pretty epic to be able to play at a show that small. Um, or intimate is a better way to put it. And so that's awesome. 
And I, I wanted to also ask you, uh, can you talk about how hip hop has inspired your connection with the creation of the community that you're a part of and also with this festival? Just how has hip hop inspired you basically? Yeah, to, <laughs> I love this question. It's one of my favorite uh, topics. Um, and I think a short answer is just that uh, everything we're talking about, right? Like this whole call, you know, this whole podcast, everything we're talking about seems to gr gravitate around the theme of creating culture in a sense and creating new culture. Um, but it's also new culture that's rooted in really ancient. Right. Um, knowledge and archetypal, you know, origins. And hip hop is exactly that. Hip hop is a culture, um, especially kind of the, the origins of, of conscious underground hip hop is very much as a whole culture. And so it's not just a music genre like rap, um, hip hop, the core four elements are MC and breaking graffiti art and DJing. Um, and even beatboxing came out of hip hop, which, you know, of course, as an expert beatboxer yourself, it's like everything I just named, if you think about the scale of global influence, that even just like a secondary hip hop element like beatboxing has brought to the world, it's, an, it's crazy. And it's ancient, yeah. too, you know, right. it's like DJing, um, taking all the genres of music that ever came before hip hop ever and putting them with vinyl records on turntables and scratching those records back and forth and getting into the drum solos and the percussion because that's what makes people dance and correlates to that like ancient you know root in us with like drumming and African drum circles ceremonies and so on like all of that flows through hip-hop like the ancient tradition of the griots and the dogon uh culture and the intertribal cultures in west africa this these are um wisdom keepers that would tell stories in rhyming form rhythmically for thousands of years to transmit information and his you know everything yeah go ahead that, that reminds me I, I just had to cut you off uh there's this guy who is talking about um the use of psychoactive plants in tibetan buddhism this guy mike crowley who was like ordained as a buddhist lama even though he's white and he's english but he was saying that basically if i can remember it's like the vedas he says was essentially a freestyle like hip-hop competition like they would that they would just wrap the vedas at one another and they would take some kind of psychoactive plant which they called soma but yeah i mean like i'm just affirming what you're saying of this is something that's like like spitting rhymes is something that's ancient. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's no the joke. And, <laughs> and the other thing is hip hop is very aware of it. Like this isn't, you know, just like some new age uh, hippie kids, like privileged kids that are saying this is hip hop. This is like the roots and origins of hip hop, like KRS-One, one of the like old school innovators of hip hop. And he talks about exactly what you just said about the Vedas, all of it. Like that's yeah. all directly and consciously connected to what hip-hop has always been um, as a movement and and the fifth element is related to to everything we're talking about street knowledge and even if you think about like what is street knowledge like even literally like in like whatever in high school when someone says like oh like street smart instead of book smart they mean lived experience right they mean uh, like knowledge that's integrated not just some intellectual conceptual knowledge it's literally like a reference to gnosis in a sense right <laughs> so so like hip-hop hip-hop's deep in that way i'm writing my dissertation on it that's why and how it can be 
understood as an alchemical discipline. So that's why I get kind of excited about it. Um, and also an, an, an MC. So it's, uh, it's exciting for me. But, you know, I think there's a lot there. And whether it's the Vedas or the Griots all over the world, there's this um, really ancient, perhaps comedic, originally, like, probably comedic and pre-comedic, uh, which is the indigenous name for Egypt, uh, influence in all of these different traditions. And it's really vibrantly felt in underground hip hop, um, that that vibe is really present there. Um, and it does seem to have influenced over, over many centuries or millennia, so all of human civilization, like all over the continents mysteriously, like martial arts, for example, you know, and if you look at breakdancing, it's like, look at what breakdancing is and how it works. And it's mind boggling. It's like oh, it's martial arts come, what'd you say? I, it's crazy. I mean, because I, I yeah. lived in Brooklyn in, in yeah. almost a decade and just watching those dudes on the subway. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, um, yeah, our, our teacher says that dance is the highest yoga. So it's like, I think that's an example of what that's referring to. It's like ancient, original yoga. Uh, it, but in, in hip hop, it takes this form of breakdancing. Um, so, I mean, we could go on about that, but, you know, I just... I just think that all of these different elements relate to creating a festival, bringing uh, hip hop cultural ambassadors that are local to Colorado, MCs and DJs and dancing together and making visual art. It's all connected. Um, and then building community, building uh, from within our inner work um, and our, our personal um, sort of responsibility and transformation, building essentially over time, ideally what could be a new civilization. And I think that's that's like the intention both of um, World Changers Organization and hip hop culture as a whole. And it sounds crazy, arrogant and ambitious and kind of over the top radical. But <laughs> if you look at the world today, it also is kind of our only option because obviously the civilization we've been doing is not sustainable and won't work out. So we need to go in a new direction at this point. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I like what you said in the, in the beginning of, of that share there of like, we got to create culture. That's definitely the, the MO here. And what, you know, that, like you said, that's, that's in a lot of ways what I try to do with this platform is just like, okay, how can, how can I like plug in other people to, to people's ideas and things that I have are on the cutting edge perhaps of, of what this new culture is supposed to look like. And yeah, for hip hop, you know, I mean, I also just want to share this because hip hop for me was the one of like the first musical medicines I was able to really connect to. And like I was learning indigenous music, basically like the didgeridoo and Native American chants. And hip hop just seemed to mesh with those things perfectly. Like doing like beatboxing through the didgeridoo just sounds like, the, I mean, it sounds like it was always meant to be. I'm sure that there's some traditional Aboriginal rhythms that are pretty similar our friend Lewis Burns, I think, has showed us a couple, but like, yeah, hip hop, it also because it's very much like it's about a unique creative self-expression. It's not about a replication or duplication of someone else's music. And like, that's one thing that I have taken a lot, especially like with beatboxing and rapping, because it's like, how could you really copy that those things? They're so complicated, nuanced, to just an individual. And so I think there's such deep medicine spiritually speaking in hip-hop and it's almost like consumer culture has like manipulated people's perception of it into like this thing that promotes consumerism and superficiality and violence and stuff but what i like what you had to say about the core values because really 
it's much more about a deep transformation of consciousness and culture and something that's really ancient and is not about conformity is not about like materiality and things like that um and like that's how hip-hop has always spoken to me especially like with just with beatboxing and some of the rapping that i've done it's always just like it just connects me to something that is really mystical um and I was thinking too. You have a slam poetry competition. Is it a competition or content? What is? It's just a workshop or just it's open oh, mic. It's slam- yeah, open <laughs> mic. <laughs> All right. You, so, but you have that happening at the festival. And I was like, you know, the times when I was living in New York City in Brooklyn, I would, you know, I think I went to it's called the New Yorkian, which is like one of the more famous slam poetry clubs. If I'm correct in Manhattan, and you know, it's a pretty mystical experience just to sit there and listen to some of those people like say what they have to say. Cause when you really get like into the fire of what they have to say in their heart, you know, hard fire, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like when they're really doing that and they're dropping everything they have to say, like the emotions flooding out, like every, like there's something about the energy in the whole room that lifts and it is like a mystical experience. So I'm not surprised that like you have ancient yogis who are spitting the Vedas and that's their, their hip hop. And then you have rappers and MCs connecting to mystical knowledge because there's something about just getting on a microphone and speaking your individual truth with a lot of forceful and power that connects you to something that's like this is really transcendental <laughs> totally totally yeah um you mentioned the aboriginal uh australian tradition and, and the didgeridoo and beatboxing and maybe there's an older uh thread there to beatboxing and i just want to point out you know i think all of this at this point even in mainstream academia is being backed up as like yeah it's just true it's very likely because for example there's like we know that the aboriginal culture is one of the oldest human societies um and there's now evidence out there based on stories about the seven sisters pleiadian star system that occur around the world there's peer-reviewed uh you know mainstream academic studies now that show that like the original cultures that were sitting around campfires traveling from africa all over the world even to australia that they had these connections that there are certain cultural stories and things like that that are connected all the way back to those common ancestors right Mm-hmm. like these myths about the stars, for example, right? That these are really ancient things, like 100,000 years old, which is ancient, ancient in terms of our modern idea of history. Um, that 100,000 years ago, people in Africa may have been telling a story that reached Australia, for example, a certain myth, right? Uh-uh. Well, with beatboxing, it's like, it's not a far jump from that to think about what is the Bush language like in Africa, I don't know if you've heard that, but the clicking, clicking languages. Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking about that. It's totally, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're transmitting meaning through sounds for some of these extremely ancient indigenous African languages. Uh-huh. And it's not just, you know, vocalizing words. It's like clicking and percussive sounds with your mouth that are actually transmitting these meanings. Right. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I mean, the way you played the dig, right, is doing lip buzzing going to... Right. I mean, that you have to think that somewhere along the line, someone came up with a, you know, adding that exactly. in there. Some, I mean, yeah. it's just like, it would just, it would naturally follow, right? These are ancient people been around for like that. I, I don't know if they sounded as good as Jerry on their first try, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was possible. <laughs> cool, man. Um, all right. So 
it sounds like a pretty epic experience the festival you have going on and i'm happy here you're combining hip-hop with spirituality and ancient traditions and all this stuff and it sounds like we're talking about that all these things are kind of inter intertwined anyway at their core whether or not that's obvious to people um anything else that you want to just shout out about what you guys are doing either as a community separate from the festival or something that's happening with the festival or what you guys are envisioning in the future that is like just cool inspiring and for people to find out about know about um in all honesty i think we could go on forever if we wanted to literally yes. yeah <laughs> um I, I will say as far as visions for the future beyond this festival, like I mentioned, um, you know, we're hoping to be moving into a new chapter with our work, including integrating the festival at the Eco Village into more of an ongoing academy. And so that being said, like, I do want to just say, for example, Jerry and Michelle invited um, and hopefully whether it's a sound healing or a beatboxing workshop on didgeridoo or whatever other uh, throat singing combination we come up with, I think that's going to be an epic experience whenever it happens and we put it out there. So, um, you know, definitely open invite um, and, and just in general, uh, want to say that I, I resonate a lot with with where you said like, oh, I'm creating this podcast because I want to create culture. I feel that so much. Like, I think that's what podcasts are and that's what it's for. It's like, you're connecting all these different people and ideas and so on. It's, it's called, it's like so essential for culture building. You know, that's what happens around. There's like podcasts about, you know, whatever, uh, boxing culture comedy culture whatever it is and I think it's great to like bring the sort of culture that you want to see more of in the world through your podcast I think that's just super epic so again really happy to have had a chance it's an honor to kind of jump on semi-qualified and just talk about the festival that's coming up definitely appreciate it and yeah again we could go on forever uh, but hopefully if people come to Heartfire Festival, heartfirefest.com, they can just learn more about it in person and uh, do it that way. Awesome. And I think I think we'll have to continue doing more podcasts together. Because I think, I mean, I, obviously we've known each other for years and we've had all kinds of super engaging conversations. Like I would like to just sit down and talk to you about Tibetan Buddhism for a whole podcast, but we'll do that stuff in the future. That sounds awesome. And yeah, I would say like that, it's, it sounds to me, from my experiences, also my own experiences, not just sounds, but that this is a festival that's like designed to bring you through a transformation and then also kind of like show you what to do with that after the fact and not just be like, okay, here's a cool experience and, you know, okay, go back to 7-Eleven and, you know, wondering why you're stuck in this nine-to-five job. And it's like, okay, it's, it's providing tools for like a real inner revolution that can extend outward and allow us to basically just like create the world that we want to see so that's just super awesome and i'm really happy you're doing it i'm happy that we can do this podcast to share with people so uh yash thank you for coming on man it's great to see you digitally <laughs> and uh let's stay in touch and hopefully we will cross paths soon and keep creating the world that we want to see oh, thank you brother all right, peace, Good man. Good to see you. Peace.